Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is July 1st, and our passage for today is in the first of what is called the Minor Prophets, Hosea chapter 4. Now, let me just say a word about the minor and major prophets. In our language, the English language, we have, as in all languages, definition of words. There is a definition for major and a definition for minor. But in our language, we also have, besides definition, we have something called connotation. That is not just what the word means, but the baggage that it carries. In other words, there's some words that by their very nature have a positive or a negative connotation to it, a greater or a lesser degree. That is the case with the terms major and minor. Major indicates something of greater importance. It's greater than something that is minor, lesser. Now, that is not the case for the minor prophets. The words of what we call these 12 minor prophets, which, by the way, in the Hebrew Bible is just called the book of the 12, no major or minor, greater or lesser significance, either in definition or in connotation. And so I want to say this at the outset simply because when you're dealing with the minor prophets, sometimes people get the idea, well, this is not as important as what Isaiah said, or not as important as what Jeremiah said, or not as important as what Ezekiel said. That is inaccurate. And it is borderline heresy, simply because the Word of God is the Word of God, and it is confluent from Genesis to Revelation. It is plenary in its inspiration. That is, it is all God-breathed, or none of it is God-breathed. And when you come to the point to where we start saying, well, this is of more importance than that, or this is that, then we get into taking the place of the Holy Spirit. And so the book of Hosea and all of what's called the minor prophets in our English Bibles are the very words of God. And so I want to give you some background on Hosea. Hosea, number one, is one of the greatest stories of love and redemption and faithfulness in spite of unfaithfulness in the entire word of God. And Hosea spans a period of time that covers in the 8th century, that's the 700s, that's in the 700-year span before the time of Jesus from 800 to 700, that's called the 8th century. Hosea was an 8th century prophet that saw great prosperity, a time of great prosperity when he first started prophesying to see the fall of the northern kingdom. The last six kings, oh, even though they're not all mentioned in the book of Hosea, that is his time frame. And so he saw the last six kings of Israel come to power and then lose power, either through death or the usurpation of someone else, which usually led to death, all to say during this time period, Hosea had an assignment by God. He was to show God's faithfulness to his people Israel 
in spite and despite their unfaithfulness, their adulterous relationship with other gods. They loved other gods, ran after other gods, which are, as you know, no gods whatsoever. And God kept pursuing them and kept pursuing them. And so even though there was the ultimate taking away of the northern kingdom and the dispersion among the nations, the first diaspora as such, there is still a note of love and redemption if the people would turn to God wherever they are, but for a period of time as the nation, even in the throes of death, God said, if you will return to me and from your backsliding, I will heal you. I will forgive you. I will cleanse the land. God is so merciful. And even through Hosea's life, which we're going to learn in the coming podcast, that he was an example and a symbol of the redemption of God, loving an unfaithful wife as he was called to do. But I want to deal with something in this first podcast on Hosea that has to do with the mandate of Hosea himself. Hosea was called to a sinful nation, a backslidden nation, at the beginning a very prosperous nation, even though that ended because of the judgment of God. Because God's judgment brought uh, drought, invasion by another people that is being overtaken and ultimately being taken away captive in exile in a foreign land. And so all of these things were the judgment of God. They weren't natural phenomena. They were the judgment of God upon a sinful nation. And Hosea's task was to speak to the corridors of power, to speak to those who were in leadership, and to speak truth to them. You see, what is happening? Why is this important that I say this? Because we are living in a day when people, God's people, many who are in the evangelical world say all that matters is the gospel. All that matters is the gospel. That is that we share that Jesus died, rose again from the dead. He died as a substitution for our sins, to pay the penalty of sins, and that he's alive today. That's all that we need to share with people. I don't believe that. I believe that is lacking in the teaching and discipleship of the Word of God because Jesus did not come to do away with the instruction that God had given before. Jesus didn't come to do away with the precepts that God had laid out before. Now, I'm not talking about the ceremonial law of Israel. I'm not talking about the feasts, the festivals, all of those. I'm not talking about keeping Shabbat as a nation. And I'm not talking about the ceremonial law. I'm talking about the instruction of God concerning precepts for godly living, whatever those may be, principles for godly living, and patterns that God laid out in the scriptures for men and women of God, in particular men of God that would lead the nation, lead the people of God as to what they would do. You see, there's more than just preaching the gospel every Sunday. As a matter of fact, if anything has led to the, actually the literacy level and the discipleship level of modern Christianity, it is that all people have done is preach the gospel Sunday after Sunday, many times to the same people who are already saved, and we try to convince them they need to get more saved. Well, the fact is there is more than just the gospel of Jesus. If that were not the case, then all we would need is just the birth details, the sinless life of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. And after that, nothing else is important. 
But there is an entire testament, the Tanakh. There is an entire Bible from the apostles that is beyond that. Why? Because it's the entire Word of God. It is in what we call the Old Testament that we understand about God as creator. That has to be taught. That is where the fall of man is recorded. That has to be taught. There is no need for a Savior unless there is the understanding of the fall. All of that's in the book of Genesis, by the way. The choosing of a line of redemption, the Jewish people. You see, we didn't, in Western Europe, come up with the gospel even. And so sometimes we get the idea that everything's centered around us. I hear this often when people say, oh, things are so bad in the United States of America. This is the great falling away. Well, do you understand, sir? Do you understand, ma'am? Do you understand, brother? Do you understand, sister, that the greatest movement of God in world history is going on right now? There's a falling away in the West. There's a falling away in America, but there's not a falling away in the world. There is a great coming to Jesus by the masses. There is a great coming to Jesus by the masses worldwide. It's only in the elite West, the academic West, the proud and arrogant West in America and in Western Europe that we see this great falling away, so to speak. But the rest of the world's coming to Jesus. 5% of the world's population is in the United States. 95% of the population is outside of the United States. Why do we think that we are so important that we determine whether there is a falling away or not? There is a great coming to God. So don't give me this concept that because of what happens in the United States of America, we judge all of biblical history and prophecy concerning that. That is a deception of the enemy of our souls. And it causes Americans to have a false sense of importance and the West to have a false sense of importance. Listen, the word of God originate, originated out of the Middle East, the Near East, out of what is called the land of Israel. That's where the majority of the word of God takes place. That's where it all started. That's where it will all end. And everything goes back to that. We are at best a sideline. Thank God we have been a good sideline for the most part. But right now we're as heathen as any nation on earth. That's right. As any nation on earth. Yes, we have a small population. It's overblown that there's 70 million, 80 million evangelicals. I don't believe that. I believe that there may be that many in name, but I think it's more like 17 to 20 million from all the research that I can do. And that is a very small percentage of the population of 330 to 350 million in the United States. And so all I'm saying is that there is an entire book of God out there and it has precepts, principles and patterns that we are to follow. And God expects us to follow those. Many of the patterns of great men of God that we often quote, by the way, when it's convenient for us, we don't want to quote what they did and what they stood for. The great men of God not only spoke to the people of God, but they spoke to the leader of the nations, not only the nation of Israel, but the leaders of the world to the surrounding nations around them and to the ends of the earth. I mean, it was a Hebrew prophet Jonah that went and spoke to one of the most heathen nations in the ancient world and in all of antiquity, the Assyrians. It was the men of God, Ezekiel and Daniel, that spoke to the corridors of power. It was the Apostle Paul that stood before Caesar and proclaimed the gospel of Christ and the wickedness of man. 
You see, we are not just to be gospel preachers. We are to be salt and light in a dark world and a putrefying world that is rottening before our very eyes. And if men of God do not start speaking more to the corridors of power and preaching against the sinfulness of nations and leaders, whether they be inside the church or outside the church, whether it is pertaining to my family, your family, to someone's brother, sister, whether it is a buddy, a friend, a comrade, whoever it is, then we are going to continue to see the demise of our nation. Because as Hosea, we are called to denounce sin. We are called to warn of the judgment to come. We are also at the same time called to be members of the body of Christ that encourage one another and say the darker the night, the brighter the light, and that God has sustained his people down through the ages. He'll sustain his people once again. So we have to give a clarion call, a trumpet sound for good and for evil, for warning and encouragement. And men of God in pulpits today need to hear this. And people don't like to hear this because we love to be liked. We love for everybody to speak well of us. But it's the Lord Jesus himself that said, beware when all men speak well of you. The Apostle Paul said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Why? Because this world is not our home. Because in America, we have had it well, we've had it friendly, we've had a culture that has been accommodating and many times complimentary of Christianity. Our founding fathers, yes, some of them were deists, some of them were heathen, but most of them understood a Judeo-Christian ethic and value system is the only thing that will allow a democracy of any kind, any form, to be able to exist and to succeed because it doesn't work under another value system. And so all to say that in all of our reading of the minor prophets, you're going to see prophets that stood like giant oaks in a windstorm that would not bow, they wouldn't bend, they wouldn't do anything except stand for God in an age where it was unpopular. And if men of God and people of God are going to be salt and light in this generation, we're going to have to open our mouths. We're going to have to feel the pain of a lack of popularity because God did not ever gift anyone to be popular in the sense of everyone liking their message. It's not just how we proclaim it. I hear that all the time. Well, if you would just be sweeter, be kinder, more loving, all this, what they mean by loving is that you tolerate any sin whatsoever and you never denounce it. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. As a matter of fact, it's heretical. The Lord Jesus Christ was absolutely perfect. The scripture says there was no guile found in his mouth. He never made a wrong facial gesture. But they hated him. Why? Because of who he was and what he stood for and the message he preached. And what I propose to you in this podcast, that whether it's Hosea, whether it is Isaiah, whether it is anyone that you name, including the Lord Jesus, if you speak the truth, the world that is filled with sin and dominated by Satan, who is a liar, will do everything possible to discredit you, to mischaracterize, misjudge, and all the other missives that have to do with unfair and ungodly hypocritical 
evaluations. Why? Because the devil is the liar and the father of lies that he's always been. He changes methodia. He changes strateo, that is his strategies. But every generation is going to feel the bite of sin. And it is up to the men of God to stand like Hosea did in love, in firmness, in great compassion and sympathy, but also to stand firm for the truths of God's word. The Bible teaches more than just the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to any who will believe. The gospel of Jesus is what changes people's lives forever from the inside out, not just modify behavior. But there is more to the word of God and more to serving Jesus than just understanding the gospel. A whole world, that's why the commission is not to go. The commission is to disciple people, and part of that discipling people is to to teach them to obey the Word of God, not just the Gospels, but the entire Word of God. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.